podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp, cricket fan, and together with my co-host Mark Wood, actual cricket man, we invite you to listen to Middle Please Umpire, a new cricket podcast containing the two of us banging on and sounding off together about cricket and quite possibly all manner of other things, while lifting the lid on Mark's life as an international cricketer. And as if that wasn't enough, we shall be welcoming some great guests along the way and chatting to them about life on and off the playing field as they spill the beans, drop some truth bombs and see if they can withstand the scrutiny of our brutal interrogations. Middle Please Umpire is available right now from all your favourite podcast providers. Hello and welcome to The Whistleblowers, another episode of Football Packed Chat. I'm your host, Mark Smith. I'm here, as ever, with Martin Gritton. Hello, Gritz. Hey, Mark. Great to be here again. <laughs> Great. To, you sound really enthusiastic about lockdown three or four, whatever number it is. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, amongst many other things, the football continues barely. But let's, yeah, let's crack on. Well, fingers crossed. And we'll, we'll be here uh, doing our podcast, I imagine, no matter what. So, uh, for God's sake, do listen in and tell your friends the same thing. Uh, also joining me alongside Gritz, as ever, is Gareth Dobson. Gareth, you all right? I am pretty good. I'm just trying to work out whether we're going with Lockdown Free, The Last Crusade, or Revenge of the Sith. Um, I'm uh, into The Last Crusade. It sounds scarier. It does, doesn't it? It sounds very dramatic. It does, yeah. Um, now, it's um, it's currently Tuesday. I don't want to give you too much of a peek behind the curtain at home, but we're recording this before <laughs> before the, uh, the first Carabao Cup semi-final between Spurs and Brentford. Um, so I imagine we've all cracked open a lovely lovely frosted can of carabao um gareth you're playing brentford tonight as a spurs fan no point in doing like a proper preview about it because the podcast is out um after the game has ended but i think it's worth asking you this how important is a trophy to jose how important is is a trophy to spurs generally and does winning the carabao cup really mean that much Yes, yes, and yes. I I, I think that. Um, so, sorry, how, how important? The answer is yes. It, it's yes important. <laughs> it's yes important for for Jose, and uh, it's it, it's it, it's it's yes an important trophy. I I, I think that uh, for Spurs fans, they feel that the contract that has been made with with Levy and and and, and Jose Mourinho is that he comes in to win a trophy, and that has now become. You know, essentially the you know the ultimate and only goal. I think unless unless Mourinho come comes away with having won some stuff in the next couple of years, then it will be deemed a failure. And you know, it, the reverse is true. If, if he if he does win you know the Carabao Cup or, or the Europa League, then it will be seen as ultimate justification. He'll have gotten Spurs over this you know ten year hump. Uh, or, or longer, I think it was 2008 was the the last time that Spurs won something, which was the, uh, the the League Cup. So I think it is kind of important for everyone. And you know, Mourinho has always won trophies wherever you go. That's what he stakes his reputation on. Um, it's the only. I mean, it's a huge thing to have in the locker, but it's the only thing that there's. He doesn't at this point really offer much more than the claim of winning mentality. He's not an advanced tactician anymore. His probably his game style is a little bit behind uh, other managers so um and you know I, I don't think Spurs fans are particularly excited by what they see on the pitch most weeks but you know the notion that they may come away with one or two trophies is is really alluring 
He'll take yeah. any old. He'll take any old shite. I mean, a oh, Carabao yeah. Cup, bang up there with a, a Champions League, the pre-season the, on, Audi on Cup. Pitch, on-pitch performances, he'll accept any old shite, as long as he wins, and as long as it ticks a box Yes, in he, he contract clause. He will, and fans will. Uh, from a player's point of view, Martin, is that the same for you as well? You just want to win stuff, right? Are you bothered about playing open, expansive, attractive football? There's, there's an irony that you're asking me this, I think, and I think it's not wasted on the fact that I played League <laughs> 1 and 2, and probably the equivalent was a, a, the trophies I was wearing were, are like tankards in Devon bull, or Bulls. <laughs> yeah, uh, fine. But, but you still, no, you're absolutely but you, still right. you, but you still have the same mentality, right? It's you still, play to win. You play to right. win. Exactly. And absolutely. And, and totally. And, and I think that for Tottenham especially, there's a couple, well, there's a couple of clubs, isn't there, that there's this hump to get over that it's become more of a thing, isn't it? Just Because it's, it's something to be mocked by your rivals if you haven't won a trophy, irrespective of what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, I mean, I, I support Derby County. I, I would just, I, do, I wouldn't care what sort of football we played to get out of the championship. I just wouldn't care, uh, assu- assuming also that it's to get out of the championship upwards rather than downwards, uh, which is more likely at the minute. Uh, let's talk about the second semi final. That happens tomorrow night as we're recording this on a Tuesday, as I've probably mentioned already. Uh, Manchester clubs going up against each other. It seems to be Man City's tournament every year. It has been for the last 250 years odd. Um, difficult to see, you know, given what happened at the weekend between Man City and Chelsea, difficult to see a, a winner, from my point of view here, uh, uh, away from Man City. I, I could just see them. To me, they've got the name on the trophy already. Is that is that, is that too much, Gareth? Have I gone uh, overboard there? No, I, I, I think that that's, that's pretty fair, especially their progress over the last five games has been really stark. They now are starting to look like the, the sort of team I think we generally expect them to be they were they were so impressive against Chelsea and they were particularly impressive because it felt like it was you know the old school Man City they did all the things all the pressing all the incisive attacking um you know clinical attacks it was it was what you kind of expect and I I I think that if they can continue that form and roll it through the spring and you know I, I think you know the 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 league cup is always quite a good primer for for Pep's team as he has his eyes on the bigger, the bigger prizes. And yeah, the yeah, Champions yeah. League is their, you know, their bet noir, their, their, their rosebud. Um, <laughs> and if, if they really are grinding into the gears, it's, it's going to be ominous. And I, I do think that um, they should have a bit too much for, for Solskjaer. Yeah. I, 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 I suspect Solskjaer is going to pick the wrong team and it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's not going to go well. Well, I think, I think that I think United have got absolutely got a chance. Um, but Grits, we've spoken about Man City quite a lot this season. Massive I know you're a big fan, fan of. Massive I know you're a big fan, fan of them. Yeah, I know, I know you are. I know you are. Well, I've said for about four months that Man City just aren't scary anymore, right? There's no Aguero at, at, at you know peak physical fitness. The backup is uh, Jesus, who is fine, but you know, maybe not elite level. But you know what? Against Chelsea, they didn't look scary. They looked terrifying, and they, they've worked out that actually. Playing Phil Foden and Raheem Sterling and De Bruyne and all these mm-hmm. creative players together might not be a bad shout going forward. Who'd have thought? Uh, uh, well, it's incredible the fact that it's freed up. Oh, you always get the, the feeling of cities. How do you pick? How do you pick the, the strongest team? Because there's so many games that come thick and fast, and it's usually well, I'll pick the best eleven that's available to me. At that game didn't play in the midweek games, but you looked at that bench. I mean, you still had. Let's have a look. So on the bench there was. 
obviously Mendy's been through a bit of bother recently, but you've got Fernandinho Mares hasn't had a touch for ages. Do you know what I mean? You've got Aguero that's ready to come back, which would add to this team. But this team is like stripped of maybe a bit of the chaff that have been done in this COVID thing recently. And they were focused on, right, let's, how do we beat them? And they totally baffled Chelsea with the lineup because the Bruyne are just, what he does, I mean, Gundogan, Gundogan was incredible. And, and it's almost frees up these players to just step up their responsibilities that I think that they've always had. But when you go to a club like City, you don't have to be the old singing, old dancing. You can be a very specific cog in the machine. And I think now, I think a few of them are, are, are let, given it an opportunity to show some flair. I think one of the problems is, Gareth, that we... We keep on comparing this Man City side to the Man City side of 18 months, two years, three years ago, where they were just absolutely unbelievable. And it's not really fair to do that, is it? Because that that team of two, three years ago was maybe the best, or certainly in the conversation, for best ever Premier League team. So is it a case that Man City actually are just really, really good and there's no point in doing that? Is that is that completely unfair? I, I, I do think that, um, yeah, because even though some of the personnel or a lot of personnel there, the the three biggest players over the last five years, you know, one of them has gone, David Silva, and then uh, the other two, I think Fernandinho and Aguero, uh, have barely featured. So it is a very different team in that sense. If you lose almost your three biggest players, then it is going to be different. And there, there are players who are coming through um, or have sort of re-emerged. I, I think Gundogan's been absolutely brilliant in the last few games and him playing, you know, uh, Bernardo Silva's come back into the team. So it has been Foden, reaching a lot. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, Foden steps in, has, has, a, has a brilliant game against, against Chelsea. And I, I do wonder about Foden because he does seem to have good games and then he'll slip out of the, the lineup for a while. And, yeah. you know, you always, and, and, and you know, Guardiola is never really too forthcoming about why. And, and, and the other things obviously is, for the first time in what feels like years, is that John Stones is suddenly um, back as a regular fixture in the team. Do, yeah, do you want, yeah. Can I just cut in there? Uh, Chelsea not playing Giroud is the is the biggest insult oh, to the, that team. Uh, they deserve everything they got in that first half. And Giroud must have been absolutely delighted with that because uh, the, the matchup was how can Stones contain uh, uh, you know an informed Giroud? It's like well, didn't even play him, and they played Werner up front. It's like what I've got absolutely no sympathy for Lampard, and you know I, I was a huge fan of um, Chelsea last season, wasn't I? And just the way that they absolutely. were playing. And they've, they've just cocked it up, but um, but you know, all credit yes. to City. City, and do you know what? I wouldn't put it past Ollie to pull something out his ass, but at the same time, you know, yeah, I, a I was hell sort of a job. I was sort of being a bit facetious, really, with with, with saying that Man City have the name on the trophy already, because as we've as we've seen in the last two three weeks, it is absolutely impossible to call anything this season. <laughs> in fact, a friend of the podcast, Miguel Delaney in The Independent, wrote a really good piece about this today, about how quickly fortunes have changed for so many clubs in the division, where these storylines of Chelsea being contenders one month, and within three, four, five weeks, they're done. Lampard's about to be sacked. The you know Everton, not looking great for a bit, and then winning four on a bounce again, looking great. Southampton look fantastic. Man City, we're already talking about them, let's stay with them. Man City have under the radar, crept up to the point that if they win their two games in hand, they are two points ahead of Liverpool. How has that happened? Liverpool have gone from being the team the team to beat in Europe, or maybe even the world, to now really struggling against pretty, I mean, this isn't Southampton included in this, but pretty average sides. They couldn't score against Newcastle. Who would have seen that coming? Uh-huh. So I think it is, it's mad for me or anybody, really, to, to start writing off Man United, who look fantastic in the game at home against Man City. 
Yeah, and against Villa. I mean, I enjoyed enjoyed that game because I think that Villa team is absolutely brilliant. I think they're firing on all cylinders. And, that, um, yeah. It's such a tough game for United. You know, this is the thing. People have just—it's the the eye of you know the media just flipping its way around, trying to pick the weak ones to abuse. And it was Lampard this week, and it's been only for so so long. Yeah. We've forgotten actually. When they pull it together, you can you you don't need a big run anymore. You need two or three wins, and you're you bang up there. Yeah, and, and the let, players, you know. Let, let's let's talk a little bit. Uh, in more detail about that United Villa game on Friday night. I know it seems like a long time ago now, but for me, particularly the second half, I think it was probably the best game of the season so far. Maybe Leeds Man City was one of them. I mean, any Leeds game really, but I think that that United Villa game was fantastic. We got everything we wanted to see. We talked about it last week. We wanted to see Bruno versus uh, Grealish under the floodlights and both stepped up and both were superb and both teams deserve to win, weirdly. Gareth, did you watch it? I did, and it was yeah, it was a great game, and it, it did feel you know Friday night games can sometimes be quite a letdown because there's always that freshness of excitement, you know, Friday night under lights, etc. And but this one really, really held up, and like you said, you know, Bruno and uh, Grealish were maybe to stand up performance. I I really enjoyed at the end there was this sort of interesting comrad camaraderie between a lot of main night players and Grealish, and I don't know whether that's a you're great, you're one of us, or <laughs> even more of a, hey, maybe see you next year kind of thing. I, I, it was a, I, I, a centrical uh, Solskjaer had quite a few words for Grealish as well. And yeah, and Grealish was very, seemingly very happy to accept them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any any manager of a top club, and yes, Aston Villa at the minute are brilliant, brilliant, but they're not as, I think we'll accept that, they're not as big as Liverpool, United, Man City, I suppose, whoever. But any manager looking at Grealish and thinking, ah, yeah, let him stay at Villa, is not worth their salt. They need to be doing everything they can to get him with the club. I've said yeah. this before. I'll say it again, Grits. Yeah. Jack Grealish, wherever he goes in world football, be it Bayern Munich, be it Real Madrid, Liverpool, Man United, wherever he goes, within two weeks of training, he's in the first team, and within two games, he's undroppable. Yeah, well, do you know what? I, I, I will bow to, bow to that, because I was a little bit kind of laissez-faire about him. You know, I, I've always thought he was a good player, but just a little bit you know, t- taking him seriously. I mean, he doesn't seem to take himself seriously, uh, but that off the pitch, of, but, but, uh, yeah, but he's so, he no, seems to be so professional. Yeah, he on with it the, and, and he with professional, training. but carefree, but like he plays with that. Kind, yeah. It's like yeah. Madison as well. It's like, there's something about them. That's like that cheeky, but they're, they're absolutely through and through brilliant footballers. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't need to tell anyone that, but really she's very, very gettable. I mean, Madison, is gettable but you you know at the minute you look at you look at Grealish and you looked at Zaha it's almost like Zaha a couple of years ago these players that are like who's going to step up and I can't you know you can't believe some of the players that have been signed from you know foreign clubs for not foreign clubs but you know say Pepe for 70 million and instead of Zaha yeah, and you yeah. just look at those sort of decisions and, you, and it's easy with hindsight I get it yeah, but I'd love to see those guys progress I mean Zaha you know well you know, on the international scene, it's, it's difficult for him, you know, because he's, he's he plays his games in Africa. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, Grealish has got an opportunity to cement himself in the England side. And I think that would be, you know, he, he huge. Can become, he, can be some, he can become something that is, I mean, it's never going to be another, another David Beckham because that was sort of the first of his kind to do it, certainly in the modern era. But Grealish can become a player that transcends football and becomes all these different things. He's, he's such a good footballer. He's got so much ability. He's very marketable. He can do anything if he picks the next club correctly. Or, I'm going to throw this out and then see what happens. Or if he wins something with Aston Villa. Because you know what? This Villa side, again, 
Yep. They're not far off the top of the league if they win their games in hand. I actually, I did a thing on Thursday, another radio show, uh, a football show, and we went down the list of teams and decided who could or couldn't win it. And I had Villa as, yes, they can win it. They can do a Leicester. Um, so I'm going to steal that topic and do the same thing with you two. I'll name the team, and I want one of you, I want both of you to tell me yes or no. Not will they win it, but can they win it? And I'm not saying, you know, every, of course any team can win it, but realistically, in your opinion. So let's start with Liverpool. Grits, yes or no? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Harrison. Right, Manchester United. Yes. Yeah. Leicester. No. Yes. Was that yes from who? Yes from Grits. Okay, why, Le- why Leicester? Because they fell away last last season, didn't they? Second because, half. Because uh, well, after, after the break. Big Brendan Rodgers fan. Have you seen their new training complex? Have you seen the setup at that club? It's absolutely geared for success. It's incredible. The amount they put behind it, Brendan Rodgers, he's, he works people out and he's worked a lot of managers out and he's put some great uh, results together. I think I think they're an outside bet, but I think if they're going to do it, this is another year that they could. Why not? Yeah, yeah. That's no, fair enough. Uh, right, Spurs? No. Yes. <laughs> Go on, Gareth. Why can they? Uh, just because I think they've got probably one of the best squads. I mean, they have 23 players who can, who can step in and that, that might be, you know, a big plus during the season. And obviously they've got a manager again, who does know how to do it. Fair enough. Uh, right. Down to Man City. We all agree they can win it. Um, mm-hmm. out of six Southampton. No, I just no. don't think, I don't think they can, they've got Gareth? the I probably not. I would take them just over Leicester. Okay, Everton? No. No. Villa? No. No. I'm going yes. Sorry, and Chelsea? Man. Yes. No. no. I mean, I think that's absolutely... a historical yes, Gareth, surely. It, it, yeah, of course it is a historical yes. But also, again, you, know, you look at the actual players they have, in theory, if it clicks, they could, sure. Okay. Yeah, so this is the point, is that from first down to ninth, at least one of us has said yes to every team apart from <laughs> Southampton and Everton. That's how open it is. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that is crazy. We've never had this before. Would you, do you know what's tasty, Mark? Uh, Friday night, Friday night, uh, Aston Villa, Liverpool. I mean, th- that is the what If they win that, the FA Cup, that's theirs. I'm, I'm, go- I'm going to be that bold. Going that far. If they're going right. that far. Listen, I'm sure we can come back because there's a couple of, we can't let Liverpool off that lately after that. No, no, we're, we're going to talk about Liverpool. And in fact, after the break, we'll do just that. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to The Whistleblowers. I'm Mark Smith. I'm here with Martin Gritton and Gareth Dobson. Right, um... You want to talk about Liverpool, don't you, Grits? I can sense oh, it. Just clop, clop cracking in that interview, doing the whole... It's, I mean, the main game, it's like, we don't get penalties. Like, looking for excuses. I like the way that he always, you know, 
fist bumps everyone after the game and you're like, Kiwi, is he going to take this win well? Is he, oh, sorry, lost well? Is he going to take it well? No, <laughs> is he of course yeah. is he. There he goes. So I was delighted with that. But yeah, yeah you know what? what? I, I don't, what I want my manager. I, well, I don't want my manager to take it well. I want him to take the loss personally. I, honestly, I do. I don't want him to be like, ah, well, you know. But I want him to be angry. I want him to get petty. Sure, sure, sure. I want him. I want him to. This is the this is the crucial thing with Klopp. He, I love Klopp, he, but he's working out. It is so much harder to defend the Premier League than it is to win it. Great everyone trip. is gunning. Everyone is gunning for you. Everybody, and you know, we're we're big fans on the show of Southampton already. We've talked about them every week, and we'll talk about them more now. But. They were just outfought by Southampton, I, I thought, last night. They were outthought, they were outfought, and actually they were probably outmaneuvered. They just seemed, they just had better, more players playing better football, and sometimes yep. that's all it comes down to. Um, Gareth, what did you make of the game? Did you see it? I did. It was uh, it, it was compelling. Um, I thought that it, it sounds like a ridiculous thing, but if Southampton hadn't scored, it, it would have been a draw in the sense that I don't think that that early goal was what led to this situation. I, I don't think Liverpool yeah. looked like they were really going to penetrate for the whole game. And I, I, I do put it down, I think just to a build up of fixtures and the fact that they haven't really been able to rotate as much as anyone else, uh, just because, you know, six, seven players always seem to be constantly out and that, that front three he's made obviously a decision to really push them through these last four or five games. They look tired, don't they? I do. He hasn't rotated them much. Obviously, I, I, I'm guessing that that game, the FA Cup game, he, he may just play the kids like he did last year. Mm. Yeah. Like full reserve team. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and it was definitely like, we'll give it one more go. And it didn't work out. I, I don't think it's alarm bells for, for Liverpool, except maybe to point out that a, 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 a central defensive partnership of Henderson and Fabinho may not be quite enough. No, no, I think you're right. Uh, going back to your question earlier, though, Grits, about yeah. him you know, bringing up Man United penalties and stuff. Uh, first of all, do you think there should have been penalties given in that game against Southampton? Because I'm not really sure, and I'm certainly no. not sure enough that I think the manager should be coming out and making those headlines. No, but I, th- I, you know, I think he's talking about there's a few games. Mane, Sadio Mane, not, he's not having, having a good season by his standards. And the, the wide front men for Liverpool, when they're not... They're not contributing anything else. They're, they're literally just getting fouled. Emerson Salah are just getting fouled, yeah. or they're not really getting involved in the games. Walker Pierce was amazing. Our right backs, our England right backs, unbelievable. unbelievable. <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, that's that goes without saying that Southampton pressed them really hard, knew how to get in about them. And his ex-player scoring, just as you said, the mark. He get, Winning it second time round, but all of these people that have got a score to settle with them, and Ings is just you know irresistible again. And what a brilliant finish it was! That's but it's just just taking pride in in their work in Southampton were brilliant. And Hassan Hootel, the way he celebrated was exactly what you want. As, as you just said, it's, you want them celebrating. You want to be petty, Definitely. and um, but you're right. Liverpool, perhaps. I mean, perhaps they've got, they've got a grievance on that. But you know, he's he's let them go a bit stale. And I think, you know, yes. Oxlade-Chamberlain is no one... I mean, you're expe- he's expecting big things of these players. Tiago and Oxlade-Chamberlain are not match fit. They're not sharp. No. You've got Milner, You, you can't, you can't criticise them. That They've been thrown in oh, at the deep end. And when you, you know what it's like. If you're, if you're not fit, you're going you're gonna to look miles off. Gareth, I didn't think United were in this race properly until Jurgen Klopp talked about them uh, post-match with regard to penalties. Is he... Are United in Klopp's head? Is that what's happened? I, I do wonder. I, I think sometimes maybe you look at teams and you say, 
what what the hell are they doing there? Why are they, they don't deserve this? They, how have they won this many games? And that is that kind of that feeling or aura around United where <laughs> it's almost like, how on earth do they have this many points? How have they won so many games? And, you know, I, I wonder if it's that kind of, you know, Klopp's just, just thinks it's absurd and somehow it has got into his head and it's going to turn into this absolute nightmare where somehow Solskjaer, who I'm guessing he probably doesn't have a brilliant opinion of, you know, sort of pips him for the title. That must be his worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's probably different if, uh, if Pep does it, right? Or if or if uh, yeah. Jose does it. Exactly. Uh, if, he's if, like, if oh, yeah. He's been... Ollie's been taking pelters for two years now, non-stop from people. Listen, Ollie's the wee chuckling brand ambassador. Just kind of that's will live in his nightmares if if he <laughs> if he if he beats him to anything this year. It's just Can you throwing just throwing players against the wall and, and th- that they, that living will do. And Bruno Fernandez will just go out with them and oh look at us, they'll be beating all the best. I mean that's kind of what it feels like with uh, Man United sometimes, but they're there thereabouts now. Well, I mean, what yeah. I will say is if we get to, you know, April and there is a legitimate Liverpool Manchester United title race, then oh. it's going to be brilliant. You know, we haven't yes. had one of those for a long, long time and it's going to be so exciting. Yeah, you know, you're going back I, to Fergie days. I, I, I'm not convinced there's going to be a sustained challenge from United yet. I think they're ahead of where they should be under Oli. I know that sounds a bit mad. He's been there two over two years now and spent a lot of money. But it's a big rebuilding job that he's in the middle of. I think they're ahead of schedule. I think if they're there or thereabouts in April, it would have been a good season. I think, however, there might be two or three clubs other than United who are also involved in this, and that's what I'm excited about this time round. And maybe Southampton could stake a claim for a European place. I don't think it would be top four, but I think they got a shot for Europe. Let's talk about them briefly. They were brilliant last night. I mean, I know we've mentioned it a little bit already, but even without Vestergaard, even without McCarthy, and even without Che Adams, who we rave about on the show... They still pulled it out. They 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 didn't use any excuses. They didn't need any excuses. They battled through it. And like you say, Gritz, the relief on the end uh, at the end of, on Hassan Hootel's face, the the sheer overwhelming joy. I know he's had people taking the piss out of him for it. Like you know, it's not a cup final or whatever. Forget about those people. Yeah, the, yeah these yeah. games are important to managers. And if you're a Southampton fan, you must look at Hassan Hootel and be like, I this man is made for our club. Yeah, the transformation, isn't it? It's the we talk we talk about it when we speak about him that that night, that Friday night game, Leicester. That Never mention the score. Night. Don't mention you the know? score. It's just, it's a, but that that's the turning point. And if this is the, you know, this is the apex, or if this is the apex currently of it, you just yeah, like, well, yeah, yeah. it's fully deserved. Um, and you talk about Foster and goals uh, replacing McCarthy. I mean, I forgot they had him at backup. He's he's, so sens- he's sensational. I thought when his name was mentioned, because obviously. You know, I don't want to go. I certainly don't want to talk about. Hang on, his name was mentioned. I thought you were on mute. <laughs> his it was mentioned on the radio beforehand because I, I was keeping my ear out for you yes, know. Yes, yes, um, yes. Uh, <laughs> but just because he's a Celtic legend, you know, and and I was just delighted for him to get a clean sheet in such a big game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gareth, I think we've mentioned this before, but Hassan Hootel's pr- he's probably primed for a top top job now, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. It's and you. Know, I think he's also showing that as well as, you know, tactics and formations, he understands player acquisition. I, I think bringing in mm. Theo Walcott is something that people would have raised an eyebrow and assumed that, you know, he, he had a very indistinct time at Everton, but he's been fantastic at Southampton. He's yeah, seen yeah, as yeah. this sort of senior figure who's come in and sort of brought experience in a guiding light up front. And, and he's getting you know, faster. Yeah. It's, 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 it, it, it's, it's amazing. Maybe it's uh 
Actually, I have no idea what it is, but yeah, it's so impressive. Listen, Mark, can I just flag one thing before we go? I mean, I don't I know. Did you, did you watch? Did you watch the Arsenal game? I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> did, oh, did you, we've, got, we've got a little running joke, have we? Just, did, did Mark? Did Smudge watch the games? Yes, listen, he watched the games. It's, it, you know, you can't can't catch them all. That's well, that no, saying Pokemon, from something. Mate. Yeah, Pokemon oh, there we football. Are. Listen, uh, listen. Well, of course, I watched the game. Of course, I watched the game. Tierney, we've we've now entered the era of Tierney. I mean, at Celtic, I knew he was destined for greatness, but that is the there's a. They may as well just give him the armband now. Are, are, there's you, a, there's sure? A club are you sure? Captain. Are you sure you want to bring up Celtic this week of all weeks, Martin? No, I don't. I don't want to talk about them. I don't, I don't want. To, please, never talk about them on okay, here. This just, just it pains me. Um, yes, but Tierney, you're right. Down. To him up. What? I mean, it's, you know, as, as soon oh. as it started snowing before the game, <laughs> it was like, well, this is this Tierney's going to dominate here, isn't he? He's, <laughs> that, he's in his that element. Warm up in the sleeveless top. Oh, yeah, not sleeveless, yeah. so you know, yeah, the non-long sleeve, the short sleeve top. Just, just, short sleeve top. just peacocking, and he was just here we go. <laughs> he's an absolute trojan down that. He's a you know, it's unstoppable down that left. I've seen him have incredible performances for Celtic against um, teams like Bayern Munich, and you know, any Champions League performances, and then do the same for Scotland with the armband on. So, um, I think Arteta has absolutely landed on a butte there, Gareth. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just, I was just going to bring Gareth in there. I don't know if you have you. Did you see the game? I I did. I thought that uh, um, it it was an, some nice kind of sparks revival from Arsenal. I mean, uh, Saka's had a brilliant couple of weeks, <laughs> and um, also. Uh, Lacazette has, has suddenly come to the fore. He's stepped up in Aubameyang's absence, and you know you do wonder whether there's going to be decisions to be made uh, going forward. Well, this is another another one of the examples of how it's impossible to call anything, isn't it? Arsenal were dead and buried two weeks ago, ten days ago. And they're still now, all of a sudden, no, then the Gareth, they're not. I mean, listen, <laughs> this, the is the, this, this is the difference. No, of course they're not. Ever, they'll never win the league again. But they will. This is what happens when... Look, I am convinced that all footballers, all professional footballers, are putting in their best effort. Within reason. <laughs> but most footballers, if not all footballers, are putting in 100% every week. But this just shows that when you get in young, hungry players whose motivations might be a bit different, the motivation of, of Emil uh, Smith-Rowe to get a starting team, a starting position for the team, may be different to Willian, whose motivation might be something else. But it shows that extra half a percent, one percent, whatever it is, this is what you're seeing. This is the fruits of that. And when you've got some youth, youthful players come through the Arsenal system, want to desperately play for that club and wear that shirt, I know it's not all about passion, whatever, but it does show that a, that little extra push can do so much. They look like a different team entirely, don't they, Gareth? They do. Um, it's. I don't know if it was like a last desperate roll of the dice from Arteta or, or something he'd really uh. considered, but he did seem to really rejig that team after you know the last couple of defeats and you know may, maybe through despair you you have a you have a brilliant moment and you kind of find the blueprint to go forward. Yeah, his absolutely. Hand was, his hand was forced a bit. I do feel bad that we've just pushed Gareth on Arsenal twice there, Mark. So let's uh, at least at least we've got Sheffield United to rely on. Uh, well, let's talk about Big Sam though first. This time last week, I was raving <laughs> oh, about Big Sam. That's why I didn't um, tweet about it. I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't put our names behind the pod where we got everything so wrong. But um, but yeah, no, of absolutely. You can. Come on, man. Yeah, look, yeah, Big Sam coming. I'm there talking about how they're going to tighten up defensively. Brilliant, Big Sam. 
they're going to go and lose he that night. Five nil at home to Leeds and then four nil at home to. Oh. So in the first three games, uh, his uh, team has conceded more goals than anybody else in their first three games as a Premier League manager. <laughs> well, well, poor old Slav- Slavonville, Slavonville. I wonder, wonder what he's thinking of, of all this. But there well, we you, go. You'd be, you'd be pleased to know, Gareth, that I'm tipping Spurs for a huge win tonight against Brentford. But oh, thanks, mate. That that's yeah, that. Welcome. Okay, let let's talk about um, some other teams down towards the bottom of the league. It's not all fun and games. We can't just talk about Liverpool and Man United all day, can we? So let's talk about that. So West Brom, Sheffield United, Fulham, Sheffield at the bottom of two points. Sheffield United done, aren't they? They're they're done. There's nothing they can yes. do now, is there? Mm. Completely finished. No chance. No chance. Oh, well, they can go for the record of least points. I mean, that's the only thing that they could. That's the only accolade they can achieve. And maybe it's it's better that they do that and have something to remember this awful <laughs> season by. Um, Honestly, I mean, t- take it from me. You don't want that record because that's all well, I no, ever talked about. Well, that's what I'm saying. You'd be happy losing that record, wouldn't you? And I'm Sheffield United at least I have would. something to remember it by. Um, but, I, I see one of their players getting, who was it? Uh, was it Musa? Get Musa's Lamborghini. Lamborghini wrapped around something and you're just going, oh God. Oh, no, I mean, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't have a Lamborghini. And that's, that's, that's what angered me most about that. And then, <laughs> I mean, but also, you know, Palace, Palace just didn't, as a, they literally are the platform for players that are just about to do something good to do that good thing. And, and as yeah, did yeah, exactly, yeah. he was sensational. And it scored a great goal. Um, I mean, I want to talk about that goal in more detail in a second, but, um, the difference between Sheffield United and Derby County in that awful season, the 11-point season, is that Derby were getting beaten 3-4-5-7-0. It was never close. There, yeah. there weren't any close games apart from we drew at Newcastle and we beat Newcastle at home. Yeah. Um, Sheffield United are losing by the odd goal. It's it's so, so different. It, it, it feels worse to watch them because they're all putting in so much work still. And they're also diligently going about it, and they're losing last-minute winners, or they're. It just seems heartbreaking to watch, and and you can see them. You can see every week the shoulders drop another half inch, and it is really really hard to watch. Is... At least for Derby, we were, Derby was weren't good enough. We just weren't good enough. We weren't in the same league. Sheffield <laughs> yeah, United but... are so close to being well, good enough. Chris Wilder, Chris Wilder, even before the game was like, loads of players unavailable for COVID. Sod it. Let's just get the fixture done. Just it was like one of those Sunday league games where you're like, just anyone play. Can we borrow their linesman to play? Just get him out there. Get this fixture over with. That last thing I want to do is revisit another yeah. game. Uh, and you know, and as you absolutely said, they weren't a million miles away. It's just uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, Gareth, um, that as a goal. Um, against it was against Sheffield United, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. It was, it was, it was a lovely goal, beautiful goal. Nothing wrong with the goal. I've seen people comparing it to um, Son's goal last season against was it West Ham, the one he won the Puskas uh, for Burnley, Burnley, Burnley. Sorry, McLaren nice. blue, isn't it? Um, I've seen him compare to all sorts of goals. Uh, I think uh, Martinelli's one against Chelsea. But I've got the same problem with all three of those goals, which is, yes, the attacker did everything they could and, and, and scored the goal, fantastic. But when goals are scored and the defence is so egregiously bad, <laughs> it, it takes so much away from it for me. Like, if I hit, if someone hits a shot from 35 yards and it goes top corner, great. If he hits it and it goes through the keeper, no, I'm not having it. And it's the same thing with this. If you're going to have defenders not defending, just letting you walk past... It can't ever go down as a great goal, which is so frustrating because obviously Ezra could have done that 
even if they were defending properly. What's your take? <laughs> Am I being really unfair here? Um, no, 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 it's totally fair. You know, context is everything. It's you have to take into account all the factors. There's a reason why you know that that fourth goal for Brazil in the 1970 World Cup <laughs> final is so loved because it's in the World Cup final. It's against Italy. Italy. Who yeah. It's, it's yeah, but crucially, there's nothing they could have done about it. Italy couldn't have done anything about that. They did. Yeah. They weren't missing tackles all over the place. Sure, but there's also, uh, you know, that goal. There could be an exact replica of that goal scored by a man against, you know, Azerbaijan in a in a, a World Cup qualifier, and nobody's yeah. going to say, well, that's one of the all-time great goals. You know, like you said, it's context true. is everything, and you know, the, almost unfortunately, the you know, the song goal you referenced against Burnley. The only thing you take away from it is like, ah, oh, it's Burnley. Yeah, it's not. No, Liverpool. no, no, no. It, it won the Puskas. It has, it has something. It meant something. It's, it's still oh, Premier League level. Brilliant. But do you not agree that if it was against, say, Man City, it would have been even better? No, I, I, this, my point isn't that. My point is, if it was against Man City and the same goal was scored, I'd be saying the same thing, which is, yes, great goal, but the defending is absolutely awful. I can't handle it. Uh, all, all goals, when someone dribbles through an entire team, all of those goals have. At the heart of it, they have defensive errors, right? There's, someone hasn't done their job properly, fine. But when they're absolutely over-the-top, egregiously bad, then I've got an issue with it. Maradona's all against England. Peter Reid could have trapped back, could have mossed him or whatever, but he didn't. But it's the it's the way that it opens up, isn't it? It's not. It's, yes. not, uh, it's always the way that the, the, the player has to make so many crazy decisions at, at all those given times. You say, in cricket, if he's bowling, oh, that's the ball of the century, Shane Warne is against you know, Mike Gatting, or it's against, uh, I don't know, uh, who's a ticket, Andrew Caddick. Do you know what I mean? It's like, there is an element of, you do you do look at the opposition. If they're a Premier League opposition, they should be up to the muster yes. of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, and, and all I'm saying is, by the way, they're still great goals. It's just that I'm not going to put them in the top five goals in the history of football. <laughs> so I'm not slagging the goals off. I'm just saying they can't get in that top tier for me because of it. Well, it's good to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, check, 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 your, check the microphone, uh, Mark, because I think a hot take may have just melted it. <laughs> Listen, C. Dalloway, check out C. Dalloway's goal for Saudi Arabia versus Belgium in the FA Cup. Oh, absolutely. Fraudulent. Absolutely fraudulent. Absolutely ricochet just running <laughs> through. It, but, it's um, like that infamous, you know, that, that brilliant but questionable George Ware goal. Um, for Milan, but there, there was yeah, yeah. there was a knock on off the shins, and you're like, yeah, it does. It's not perfect. He it did look count. as though he was playing. Count. against... Referee should disallow it. It was like a he. He was like the big kid at school playing against the primary school, though. That was brilliant the way he did. It was unbelievable. I'm watching that, watching that live. Listen, yeah, I'm going to have my dinner. Point. I'm starving. Come on. All right, let's wrap it up. Listen, uh, thank you very much for joining me, Gareth and Grits. Um, hope you like the show, guys at home. If you do, tell your friends about it. You know, share it. Share it, is that right? Tweet review it. Review it. Review it on iTunes. Review it. On iTunes. Like it. By all I'll, means. I'll share it across all the channels so they have plenty of opportunity to do so. Thanks for hosting. No excuse. No problem. Right, guys. Um, see you same time, same place next week. In a bit. Bye. That's been the Whistleblowers. See ya. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.